0: Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no.
1: (laughs) Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages.
0: No, I don't know anything about
1: that country. Poland, sausages, (laughs) pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast. Hi, welcome to episode 76 of Polcast. It's me, Margaret Bonikowska, your Polcast host and producer. Polcast is produced in Toronto, Canada, and it's the only English language podcast not just about Poland, but also about Poles around the world. And many interesting connections of others with Poland. You can learn all about Polcast and check out the fascinating stories featured in its 74 episodes so far um, on our website, www.mypolcast.com. We're back after our summer vacation, and today we will talk about an unpleasant issue. Polcast is politics free and i do believe that today's issue is not really an issue of politics but it's about morality and freedom and it's very different definitions and understandings B'nai B'rith Canada is Canada's oldest Jewish advocacy organization with roots going back to 1875, tracking antisemitism trends in Canada for decades. Last week, B'nai B'rith revealed that Gwos, a Toronto-based Polish-language newspaper, published an article titled Coronavirus or the Fake Pandemic which blames COVID-19 on an imagined Jewish conspiracy, in addition to publishing strongly anti-Semitic content. In fact, the article appeared twice in two issues of the Guas paper, in March and in April. Nybrith filed a criminal complaint with the Toronto police. The story received widespread media attention, including a front page story in the leading Canadian daily, The National Post. This is the second time that B'nai B'rith filed a hate crime complaint against a Polish-Canadian newspaper. The first one, exactly a year ago, in August 2019, accused the weekly Goniec and its publisher and editor-in-chief, Andrzej Kumor, of publishing a number of anti-Semitic articles. In June this year, Mr. Kumor was arrested, warned, and released without charge. This is a complex issue whose many aspects we will try to explore in this and in the subsequent episodes of podcast. My first interlocutor is Michael Mostyn, the Chief Executive Officer of B'nai B'rith Canada. We know why we're talking today. Um, This is the second case in probably 12 months. The previous one was last summer. So before we get to Guas, what I wanted to ask you about is what was really the conclusion with Ghanik, because we were informed that the editor-in-chief and the publisher, Mr. Kumar, was arrested, but then he was released. What did the police find out and how did this end?
2: So you're absolutely correct. Uh, this, this started uh, last summer when uh, B'nai B'rith issued a, a press release exposing uh, Gornick and, um, and what took place in that article. Um, following that, we, we did make a police complaint um, or actually, like we normally do with newspapers, unfortunately, like this, that are promoting bigotry or hatred, and in this case, anti-Semitism, um, we actually make the the complaint to the police about a hate crime first, then we push the um, uh, press release second. And so, so that took place. There was an investigation, and ultimately... That was the decision that the police chose to take, is that they uh, treated it seriously. They had their own internal uh, conversations, I suppose, between uh, themselves, the Crown, Attorney General. When it comes to certain offenses under the Criminal Code in Canada that require AG consent, the Attorney General consent, they, of course, have to go through those those Mm -hmm. consultation process. And that was the decision that the police uh, chose uh, to take in this case. Arrest. Warn and release without uh, charges, however, uh, letting um, uh, the publisher of Conic know that um that this was being treated very seriously, and that um you know and and certainly on an ethical and moral basis it's it's a very clear stand uh, by our by our uh, institutions of justice saying that we're watching this and um it's not appreciated, and over time this will not be tolerated in in Ontario and in Canada.
1: A few months later, let's fast forward to about last week, another case like this happened, another media outlet, and I think there was a slight problem with some technical issues, right? The name of the publication and so on. Can you tell us what happened?
2: Sure. Well, with respect to the uh, to the name of the publication uh, to start with, um, of course, um, it's our it's our part of our important role at B'nai B'rith uh, to expose um, media as as well as social media or from any source uh, anti-Semitism. In this case, it was a little um, uh, confusing, and there has been some confusion, but I think it's been pretty much cleared up at this point. Uh, that historically. There was a newspaper, a Polish language newspaper operating in the Greater Toronto area called Gloss Polski. And in about 2015, uh, up to about 2015, it was under the auspices of the Polish National Union, which is, of course, uh, one of the groups uh, under the umbrella of uh, Polish Congress. Um, and they separated ways in 2015. The paper um, apparently changed its name to Gloss, taking out the Polski. Uh, although I guess the content is still very much Polsky, but they, they, they altered the name. Um, but the uh, editor and publisher chose to maintain the name of Gloss Polsky on his own LinkedIn profile. Uh, there were old, outdated pages um, from various chapters of the, of the PNU um and even on the the web domain address itself for the new gloss paper uh it still said gloss polski and and also looking online uh although these sorts of decisions were made um i don't know how well publicized that was because it wasn't readily available uh, to many people so anyways there was a bit of confusion initially um but um we're very glad to see actually that uh, the Polish National Union, for example, we've been engaging in conversations with them uh, since this episode took place. Uh, they have condemned um, these articles in this newspaper um, and pledged to work together with the in Canada in combating all forms of anti-Semitism and race, racism bigotry, and we greatly appreciate that because we're all in it together, and it's very important for diverse communities in Canada to stand up for one another when we see hatred, and so we're very pleased in that regard. And at the same time, um, we have reported this to police. We do feel that this is very, very serious. We feel it's even more serious, given the fact that Gornik uh, went through this episode. It was very well publicized. And because of all of that, and because of the vile bigotry in, in these particular uh, um, issues, and given the fact that we're in COVID-19, where where people's lives are being impacted to try and stir up hatred against the Jewish community is is just not acceptable one whatsoever. And uh, we are very forcefully, I've been able going to be pushing for uh, for criminal sanction in this case because um, it's it's due.
1: Does this happen in other ethnic uh, publications outlets?
2: Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, hatred happens everywhere. It happens in many languages. It happens in our official languages. Uh, sometimes in English and French, and it happens in other languages uh, that uh, that Canadians communicate in. Uh, B'nai B'rith has, uh, for example, over the last number of years of uh, being successful in closing down certain uh, television shows uh, and newspapers in the Arabic language, for example, where there have been anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy theories or pro-terrorist thoughts that have been communicated. So unfortunately, this is something that is um, fairly widespread, and it's our opinion that the greatest disinfectant is sunlight. Uh, when we see something like this, we have to say something about it and we all have to unite and say, this is a marginal voice from within our community. And it is not reflective of the broader view of, of, um, of our, of our community, whatever that community might be, whether it be religious, whether it be a language base and to marginalize it and to basically shut things like this down because if left, Over time, it will cause tremendous damage, not just to the community that they might be targeting that day, but we know that it is, um, it's, it's just something that over time will destroy the fundamentals of our democracy.
1: Has it ever happened that charges, criminal charges were in fact laid in situations like this, where you filed criminal complaints?
2: Yeah, it's very difficult because cases such as this, I mean, sometimes there are political considerations that come into play for, you know, at the political level, even at the police level, there's a lot of community outreach that takes place. And sometimes considerations may be thought of, well, is this going to undermine our our community efforts? Um, But in the long term, it's important. And although. It doesn't happen that frequently. It has happened. Your Ward News is a perfect example, an English-language publication that for many, many years was publishing not just anti-Semitism, but targeting women, uh, targeting uh, people of color, all all sorts. Uh, They tried to sometimes say that it was humor, uh, masking it in humor and just saying, well, it's irony and it's this and it's that. But um, but it was just atrocious. Uh, and myself was Photoshopped on the, on the front page of one of those particular publications where they were holding out various uh, Jewish communal, communal leaders for, uh, for disrepute and for hate. So uh, it took time and it took a tremendous amount of effort and it took, um, you know, a community to really work together to force this. But at the end of the day, there were consequences. And, and that is a perfect example that if we uh, continue and follow through, um, we know that there can be uh, proper consequences against the purveyors of hate in Canada.
1: Have members of the Polish community in Canada reached out to you?
2: Absolutely. Uh, some of the first calls. In fact, I even before we went forward. Because of the very strong relationship that Ben has with various leaders uh, in the Polish community, I, I spoke to some of the leadership in advance, and, um, and they were all disgusted by, uh, by what was taking place in this uh, gloss newspaper. And so we, we went forward, and, um, and I've had you know, many calls and emails of support. B'nai B'rith has had random, just random emails of support from members of the Polish community saying Gloss does not speak for me when, when they're promoting this vile hatred against the Jewish community. And uh, and again, that was the response that we were hoping to see from, from the overall, from the Polish community. That is the response that we did see. And that's why we know it is a marginal voice, but marginal and extremist voices must be marginalized. And this paper cannot be continued to publish nonsense like this. So there, there should be criminal sanction. Quite frankly, there should be economic sanction as well against a, a paper like this. Who, who should be making a living putting out hatred against an identifiable community in Canada. That's just, that's just vile. We have a goal-oriented approach at B'nai Paret. So what are the consequences that we hope to see? And we hope to see, quite frankly, that people start advertising less. There should be no advertising. Who can be proud? If I'm a medical professional advertising in a newspaper that's promoting hateful conspiratorial theories that, in fact, negatively impact all of the best health advice that health Canada, and how, how can that be?
1: Have you been in touch with um, with the people who are the actual publishers of these papers?
2: Uh, no, we have not had direct um, contact, and in fact, I don't think that's appropriate. If we see something that we feel is criminal in nature, we go to the police, and and that's the way everybody, you know, it's uh, sometimes now and and nowadays more than ever in the in the anti racism movements that are rising up across North America and in fact around the world. So many people are sometimes trying to take the law into their own hands. We at Benabirth don't don't agree with that approach. We we think that. It's, it's an essential part of civil society to trust in the law and have faith in the elements of justice to know that, that even though it may take time and even though it may take a tremendous amount of effort, that we will overcome and that there will be justice. Because if we can't trust our institutions of justice, truly all is lost. And, and, and that's what makes Canada such a wonderful, beautiful country is that, you know, there is, there is justice and there is freedom. And so we have to trust and have faith and, and have the tenacity to, uh, to continue on and carry on. And that's, so that's, that's our policy. That's what we're doing. And we do believe that there will be justice in this regard.
1: I spoke to Michael Mustin exactly a year ago when the complaint was filed against Mr. Kumar and his weekly gonnets. Well, it's unfortunate that the issue reappears as if no lesson has been learned. My first interview with Michael Mustin from 2019 is played at the very end of this episode, so I encourage you to listen to it. After publishing an article about the most recent case of Gwas in Gazeta, the newspaper of which I am the editor-in-chief, I received numerous messages, phone calls and comments, the vast majority of which express outrage and disgust with Gwas and the anti-Semitic content published there. Here on Polcast, I am now talking to Matthew Samulewski, based in Ottawa, actively involved in the Canadian-Polish community, mostly its younger generation. Gazeta published his op-ed after the Gonets incident last year. Matthew Samulewski has been very vocal about both cases. Let's just first talk about you. I know you're a very, very um, active person. You're an activist, I would say. You always have what? things to say <laughs> on Facebook and elsewhere, and you get into very deep discussions. And I know that certain things really bother you and they pain you. And this is anything that has to do with the violation of human rights. So what is really your background, Matthew?
0: For the longest time, I've taken very seriously this idea of we're all responsible for the face of the world. Um, And when we see signs of hate, it starts as an individual responsibility, but it moves to a collective responsibility as well. It's our moral responsibility and duty to stand up to all forms of hate, including anti-Semitism. It's a background I grew up with, uh, values that were instilled from my parents, as I went to school, uh, as I studied, I lived in Poland, we all have a responsibility to take care of the face of the world. So when we see those signs of hate, um, we can't stay silent. We have to speak up. We have to stand up against it. Uh, Not too long ago, Marian Turski of course said, no one can remain indifferent. And uh, I think that's a challenge she posed and, and many others have posed along the similar lines. We cannot remain indifferent. Hate in general, anti-Semitism here specifically, it's a poison. It can infect individuals. It can infect societies. We have to stand up to it.
1: We basically meet because of, um, actually now two uh, publications, ethnic publications that happen to be Polish, which on many occasions, in fact, published uh, articles that were explicitly, obviously, anti-Semitic. The first one we know was Goniets, the second one, which is a very recent development, just last week. Um, Both of those uh, publishers and editors-in-chief were reported to the police. The police were supposed to do some research, finding out if they uh, violated uh, criminal code. And um, in the first case, as we know, uh, the publisher was arrested and then released with a warning, I guess. And then in the second case, we don't know because it's very recent. What do you make of those cases? What do you think?
0: Well, maybe I'll start with the most recent one with GWAS, with the criminal complaint put forward by uh, Benign Birth Canada. I joined the call by Benign Birth uh, on this complaint. What we saw in this article was outrageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially as we know, GWAS and, and Mr. Maguera wrote Uh, about linking Jews as a collective as responsible for COVID-19 for this pandemic. And as we know clearly using anti-Semitic tropes of a conspiracy theory. And and we know from our history that Jews as as a collective have been blamed for other sort of universal disasters. And this is dangerous in this time during COVID-19 and we're seeing so many different conspiracy theories as well. Uh, I was reading the other day about a report from Tel Aviv University about anti-Semitism and COVID-19 around the world. And this is highly disturbing. I think we all need to join that call with Benign Brith. When I mean all of us, I mean all of us simply as human beings, but all of us also, more specifically in the Polish community. With Gonyets, um this was from, uh, again, stemming from an, another a uh, criminal complaint uh, from Benign Birth Canada, and at the time, uh, I publicly joined uh, that call to begin an investigation as well on social media. The original complaint cited frequent anti-Semitic material, and in the end, Mr. Kumar was was arrested by Peel Regional Police—a formal a formal arrest—but um, was not charged. This is hugely disappointing as a Polish Canadian. These two outlets. They have an audience, they have a platform publishing uh, anti-Semitic material that are then reaching many folks in our community
1: on top of this with Gornets the same ideas were further on discussed in Poland because the interesting thing is that Kumar was uh, interviewed by right wing online television programs where he repeated exactly the same things and in fact he presented himself as a martyr as if it was a big conspiracy to get him and to get polls my question is you as a canadian what would you expect to happen in a situation
0: like this i would have liked to have seen charges laid against mr kumar I'm not an expert on the threshold of hate speech in the criminal code. Speaking privately, as a Canadian citizen, Mr. Kumar's publications crossed the line.
1: And what should the Polish community do or should the Polish community have done? And what should be should it be doing now? Who should be acting other than just the authorities?
0: It, it comes back to, again, uh, a question of of responsibility for the face of not just of the world, but here of our community. In the last calendar year, this is the second criminal complaint against a Polish language outlet for anti Semitic material being published. Last year, we also had an anti Semitic incident in the Canadian Polish Congress uh, in the Toronto district that many stood up against, with its president publishing on the Kapeka Toronto website an anti Semitic open letter calling on the entire Polish Canadian community to support a right-wing extremist in Poland, uh, an extreme right-wing uh, individual. And I think that's probably a good example of that responsibility. There were a number of us who wrote uh, a letter and we had over, I, I believe, about 120 signatures, mm-hmm. people in our community. They were from all over the world and they were standing up, taking responsibility for our community. Again, we as a community, we have a, a responsibility for the face of the world. We have a, a responsibility for the face of our community. Anytime there's an anti-Semitic incident, I think here in the Polish community, Małgosia, you wrote it greatly last year about how this anti-Semitism is, is another form of anti-Polonism. Uh, it's a dark alley when, the, when these incidents happen. The lights of reason go out and we need to stand up anytime we encounter anti-Semitism. When we all stand together, this is a good model for all of us. I do believe that everyone in our community, from the leadership of this community, to all the organizations, to individuals, uh, we need to take that responsibility for our community. We need to speak out and stand up.
1: A lot of people say though, and I'm basically playing devil's advocate here. Sure. They're saying, well, this is a matter of freedom of speech. We are free to talk about what we think. This is our judgment. This is how we see it. So where do you put the line between freedom of speech, the right to, to express your views, where is it ending? Or is it ending? Or is Canada, a particular country where freedom of speech is not maybe respected enough, this is what these people
0: say? I understand that. And, and I think it's a weak argument. Here in Canada, we have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which outlines the rights and protections for all Canadians in a free and democratic society. And Canada is obviously a free and democratic society. We're also a country of of tolerance. The charter sets out that yes, everyone has the right to free speech, but you don't have the right to cross that line into hatred. And this country has criminal code provisions. And I think we set the bar very high and I think we have to because this country does hold free speech very highly and, and we should hold that value very highly. But once you cross that line, you're no longer exercising your, your freedom of expression. You're expressing hatred, and that is not accepted in, in Canada.
1: You have spoken about this issue to a number of young people, because you're young and you have a lot of friends who are young, your generation. What do you hear?
0: You know, I, 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 I hear a lot. This is true. A lot of young people here are appalled when they see this kind of thing. And I'm speaking about Polish Canadians, young Polish Canadians, young professionals here in Canada. They're appalled, they're outraged, they're sickened when they see this. And in this particular case with GWAS, many did see that this was widely covered by Canadian media as well. And they're embarrassed. They feel humiliated by this. And Magosha, you wrote in your piece last year, in an, an, an incredible op ed, that anti Semitism strikes at the heart of who we are and an identity that we do believe strongly in, and that is a part of us. I try to encourage young, younger people than me to take that responsibility, to seize that responsibility for the face of the world. Take down the signs of hate that you see. Help everyone to do that exact same task. Sometimes there is social pressure to remain silent within our own community. That's why it's so important to encourage, to provide opportunity to stand up and speak out. I think there's an awakening amongst our younger folks. Um, everyone was reading the news of what was happening in this past presidential election in Poland. One of the most, if, if not the most hatefully divisive presidential election in the post-1989 era. And I don't think it's anything controversial to say that the nationalism that we see in Poland does come across the ocean and is inside our community as well. The anti-LGBT rhetoric that was coming from the highest authorities in the land sickened many of our young people. They are seeing some of the nastier elements of this new Polish nationalism. There's certainly some continuity uh, to the past of this nationalism. Of course, we do see elements of this nationalism within our own community. We know of the anti-Semitic tropes and the anti-LGBT rhetoric coming from uh, TVP. Polish state television. uh, Government mouthpiece. And I think our young people, if they hadn't engaged previously within, within our own community, they're ready to act now and to stand up. The things that I'm hearing from young people are, we need to stand up to defend the good name of Poland and Poles and our community. We need to stand up against these incidents of anti-Semitism against hate wherever we see it. Uh, So I'm very proud and I'm very excited to hear this. And and we have some wonderful organizations of young professionals, student organizations. Um, I encourage them to seize these moments when they occur and to stand with those folks speaking out and, and standing up and saying, this is not right. This is wrong.
1: The Polish-Canadian Congress did, in fact, issue a statement. What worried me in this statement was that it, the the main issue was much less important than a tiny little inaccuracy. Maybe it wasn't tiny, mainly the, the factual things that in 2015, um, a newspaper that was a very long-running newspaper connected to a Polish organization called Polish National Union that relationship was severed. And in 2015, Magiera, who was the editor-in-chief of the previous Głos Polski, became editor-in-chief and publisher of Głos. So it kind of changed into a private uh, ownership, uh, in my opinion. The Canadian-Polish Congress should have basically concentrated mostly on saying the, the content of those articles, was of that article and everything else. It's just horrible. You cannot, we do not accept it. But more important seems to be the fact that the Polish National Union was touched in the United um sure. complaint. Sure. So, what sure. do you say about that? Do you? What should the KPK, Kapęka, which is Polish Canadian Congress, do? Are they doing what we are expecting them to do?
0: Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there in, in your introduction of, the, of, of this particular point. And, and I was disappointed when I when I saw the statement first. It clearly appeared that it was reacting to an article that appeared in the National Post, which many of us have read. But the main point there is that it wasn't reacting to, as you said, the main issue. It was reacting to a a newspaper article. I mean, it starts off with earlier today, the National Post published an article. That caught my eye because I would have expected the leading national organization of the community to begin such a statement, focusing on the main issue, as you say, I believe that the statement sh- clearly should have started and reacted and focused on the issue at hand, which was Gos, Mr. Maguera, and the publication of anti-Semitic material that was published in Guos. It should have joined the call uh, with B'nai B'rith Canada. That would have been the responsible thing to do as well, I believe. Yeah, the um, statement
1: does not mention B'nai
0: B'rith at all. It does not mention benign birth at all, but it should have joined the call. We should all join that call. The leading national organization should have joined that call as well. In this initial statement, the only one I've seen so far, it did not do so. It's fair to point out an inaccuracy. It seems to me an easy mistake to make. I'm not sure if many in the Polish community even knew that, in general, um, that Gospolski is no longer exists. That's an easy correction to make. And as I understand, uh, I saw National Post update its article pretty much immediately. I saw today that B'nai Birth Canada updated its own statement. That statement, I will be a little honest, it was tone deaf. It was simply tone deaf by not focusing on the main issue at hand. The the statement was not a reaction to the publication of anti-Semitic material. It was a reaction to an inaccuracy in a newspaper. With national leadership comes great responsibility, accountability as well. We should encourage the Canadian-Polish Congress also to refrain, discontinue placing articles in Goniec. It's inappropriate for the leading national organization to place articles, whether it's about Independence Day or whether it's a year-end review of activity in the Canadian-Polish Congress, which was published, I believe, in December 2019 in Goniec. This was a newspaper under police investigation for hateful material, for anti-Semitism. Well, you can that, say
1: innocent until proven guilty.
0: Sure. And that's a, a backbone of our, of our system. But I'm talking about the moral claim here. Was it the moral thing to do? Was it morally appropriate? In, in both outlets, I hope that advertisers realize, discontinue, refrain from advertising from both gognets and from and from Gloss. Gognets continues to receive advertising. We've seen the ads in the Gloss newspaper. Those are local ads. So I think you know that part of that responsibility is is a moral responsibility. And I and I think the leadership of the Canadian Polish Congress will have to reassess how they reacted to GWS. They'll have to reassess its engagement with gognets. In general, I think our community is going to have to come to the conclusion that we have a problem. We need to take a community responsibility and recognize that there is a problem. And and I haven't even brought up what we see on social media. The high-level message that that, that I can say is that we need to stand up against hate wherever we see it. We cannot be the enablers of hate. If we stay silent, if we don't do anything about this, if we're indifferent, we're enabling those who would perpetuate hate. This isn't just a Polish community phenomenon in Canada or in the United States or elsewhere around the world. There is a problem and we need to recognize that and we need to tackle it. And let's all stand together. Uh, I think that's the biggest key. We can stamp out these incidents by all standing together.
1: Thomas Łukaszczyk is a Polish-born Canadian politician and former member of the Legislative Assembly of Alberta, the province in the western part of Canada. He served in the provincial cabinet and was the deputy premier of Alberta. Thomas Wukashuk is also known for strongly opposing the visits to Canada of a powerful and highly controversial Polish priest, Father Tadeusz Rydzyk known for his anti-LGBTQ, anti-Semitic views, which, according to Wukashuk, have no place and should not be tolerated in Canada. Thomas Wukashuk also reacted strongly against the anti-Semitism in the Polish-language newspapers published in Canada. You were very deeply involved in politics, and uh, that meant, obviously, that you had a lot of contact with various ethnic groups, I want to talk to you a little bit about the legal side of this issue that we're dealing with here. Actually, you have been involved in all kinds of campaigns to prevent things that may be legal in other countries but are not legal in the country where we live, which is Canada. Because it's not just this GWAS thing, not just this anti Semitism, but I think it's a wider issue for you, isn't it? Sure, it is. uh, No,
3: there are two things to look at Uh, there is the legality of speech and, and actions, uh, which in Canada is, is, is very well codified in, in Criminal Code of Canada and, and individual prevent, provinces' uh, human rights legislation. But then there is also the morality of it all. And where legislation differs from country to another, often in Western societies, the morality doesn't differ that much. What is wrong in one country uh, often is wrong in another. Uh, even though it may not be enforced uh, enforced by law you know in my in my body of political work uh, here in canada and and actually internationally as well i have been always very uh sensitive vis-a-vis human rights and and that's because of our background you and mine being the same i, I was raised as a as, as a child and as a young teenager in a country where where human rights were not observed where where you could be detained without due process where you could be persecuted because of your political views or or, or perhaps religious views um so uh, when when uh, practicing politics in canada and then even after that even in, my, in my civilian life that is something that I'm very, very aware of continuously because that is really those are the, the the fundamentals of our civil society. If we we take away those human rights, um we we've seen in history how quickly society can evolve. Uh, um, we like to think that uh, we are so different uh, from, for example, what happened in Germany in, in early '30s, 1932, 33 and that it could never happen here. You know, we on, on Remembrance Day, we say, lest we forget. And the fact is that we are not that different, and we do forget. And if we are not watchful of what we allow and what we don't allow in our society, we, we will slip down that spiral as fast as Germans have. You know, I, I would bet you that if you were to ask Germans in 1920s if they could see ever becoming what they became, they they would have never thought of it either. And yet it happened. It can happen here unless we're vigilant. And every time there's an instance of of hate, uh, prejudice, racism, or any type of discrimination, Uh, And when it becomes systemic and when it becomes accepted, um, there is that possibility of of us devolving into that very same situation.
1: And that's exactly it, right? It's not just illegality and whether it's legal or illegal, but it's also whether it's moral or immoral. And I think that's a very important point that you made. Now, going back to um, to these two disturbing situations, because this is the second case in a matter of just 12 months, I guess, or less where you have two Polish community newspaper outlets that are basically doing the same thing, that are using anti-Semitic tropes, are using anti-Semitic language. What do you think should be happening?
3: Well, uh, it doesn't matter to me whether they're Polish or not. I'm proud of being Polish. But I don't think that we should be applying a different measuring stick to those who are or aren't. I know that, that those newspapers or, or frankly any instances of, of not only anti-Semitism, but, but any form of discrimination should be, uh, should be prosecuted. We, we have laws and I am actually very glad that uh, police in, in Ontario and our CMP are, are taking proper steps. Um, in dealing with those issues, but but it pains me. It, it really does. It pains me on a personal level uh, that this is happening in, in Polish language newspapers because it casts a shadow over the entire uh, Polish Canadian community. Uh, you know, your your reader of the front page of uh, National Post um, that featured uh, those Polish uh, language articles across Canada. Um, may conclude that this is what, uh, what Polish people believe in, that, that, that all of us are painting the same brush. And then obviously that's not the case. But being a Polish Canadian, I find it more so incumbent upon me to speak against it, not only because it is wrong in itself, but also to defend, uh, the rest of our Polish Canadian community to, to show that this is not to be normalized. Because the moment we allow it to be normalized, uh, we will see more and more instances so as much as it should be prosecuted by by law enforcement in canada we as members of polish community should be even harder on those publications to make sure that it doesn't happen and and frankly um you know i'm 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 heartbroken to to know that people have been purchasing that newspaper and reading it and not reporting it we have to be watchful and if it's written in in a language that's not english then it's incumbent upon those of us who speak polish to to identify those situations and report them. We simply cannot uh, expect our society to be civil and and for others to be fair towards us if we're not willing to clean up our own backyard.
1: And there seems to be this feeling that some people have that if they do that in a language which is not English, one of the two official languages, French or English, then they're somehow living in a bubble where they can do whatever they want and nothing is being watched or nothing is being noticed. I find that very disturbing.
3: Well, and unfortunately, from a practical perspective, that is the case. Uh, our law enforcement agencies, our human rights commissions uh, across the country cannot monitor uh, what is being written and what is being said, because they simply don't have the capacity to translate every single article from every foreign language into English or French and, and determine whether there is anything nefarious going on. Um, you know, same, same thing happens in places of worship. Uh, as you may recall, I... I took a very strong position mm-hmm. against Father Rizik in coming to uh, to our Polish Canadian Roman Catholic parishes, knowing what it is that he says uh, when he um, when he delivers uh, speeches and or sermons. I, I do give some level of deference to our Canadian Roman Catholic Church authorities because I don't expect the Archbishop of the Diocese of Toronto who is a fine gentleman from Edmonton, by the way, Archbishop Collins, to understand what is being said in Polish, in a Polish parish. You know, he, he trusts the local priests and he trusts the local parishioners to ascertain that nothing unbecoming is, is happening in those churches. But if we don't report it, if we feel compelled to keep it quiet and, and let it uh, happen because you feel somehow shamed that, that you're reporting against your own community, then, then, that hatred will flourish, and I've taken some personal beating from from members of the Polish community, figuratively speaking guys um you know how how can you report on your own community but it serves the community well, and I know that that some will argue with that, but unless unless you are willing to keep your own community in check and make sure that we are doing right by others. What happens when others start discriminating against us? Who is going to speak up for us? Then? You know, there's that famous poet, you know, when they came for communists, I didn't speak up because mm-hmm. I wasn't communist. When they came for Jews, I didn't speak up because I wasn't Jewish. And then when they came for me, nobody spoke up because nobody was left. It's incumbent upon us to speak up because you know what? Who knows what will happen in 20, 30 years? Maybe we will be on the receiving end of a wave of, uh, of, of hatred and and, uh, and and hateful speech and we would expect others to act and defend us just like it is incumbent for us to defend others
1: well, you know, it's actually what some of those right-wing mostly people say, you know, that there is antipolinism. It's um, that's, that's the term that has been coined to kind of mirror anti-Semitism, right? That, that we are on the receiving end of that anti Well, what do you say about that? Is this just a conspiracy theory or is it really true that um, there are some sentiments, clearly anti Polish sentiments? And if so, is there a reason for them?
3: What I'm seeing is, is a combination of, of, of several movements. Uh, what we're seeing uh, across the world, this is not only in Poland mm-hmm. and not only in Canada, but there is a wave of, of nationalism, uh, hyper nationalism uh, developing. We, we see this in the development of US politics, we see it uh, in some of the more ultra conservative. Uh, um, circles, um, here in Canada, even on a provincial level, when you look at uh, the United Conservative Party, Jason Kenney's party in Alberta, there's a separatist movement. There's even provincial nationalism, uh, developing. We see that in Poland. And, and often it is confused with patriotism. Uh, those are, those are two very different things to be patriotic and to defend your country, uh, when it is truly being attacked by others is the right thing to do and to be proud of your history um is the right thing to do. But to be nationalistic and to develop this siege mentality where you feel that everybody's attacking you is, is not healthy. And and again, you know, one those are not well received comparisons, but one can't help but to revoke the example of of uh early 1930s history uh in Germany. And and I often say when, when I speak to groups, we shouldn't be comparing and be so offended by this comparison because we're not talking about what happened after 39. We are talking about what led to 1939. What were the mechanisms? What were the social movements and issues in Germany at that time? And that's something that we have to guard against. 39 was already too late. 32 was when people should have stood up and spoken against it. And because they haven't, 39 happened. So, in Poland, unfortunately, this nationalism is then further exploited by by politicians, and we're seeing this not only in Poland, uh, but but throughout the world. Hungary is another example. Um, in Canada, we have examples in the United States, and even the entire Brexit movement was built up on, on these nationalistic waves. Uh, and exploited by politicians, unfortunately, religion often ties into it, and there is this tying in of of uh, of a national identity and religion. but the biggest problem is and and that is not only unique to Poland, even though Poles tend to pride themselves on on knowing their own history, and yet I find and I'm very surprised how few of us actually really do. We have been taught a variety of versions of Polish history. A lot of this has been deformed uh, by by the communist regime, and then post communist, it was it was almost overcompensated in another wrong direction. Um, and and politicians also explode this misunderstanding of our history and of our geopolitical position as a as a country. So. Again, you know, I can say that because uh, once a politician, always a politician, politicians will find um, those weak spots in a society and they will exploit them and translate them into votes. And And you're seeing this in, in, in Poland's politics right now. You know, if you can pick those old scabs and coalesce a base of support around them. So in some cases, it's against Ukrainians. In other cases, it's against Germans. In other case it's against Russians. And the list goes on and on. Um, you can coalesce supporters because the more your base feels that they're being attacked by everybody and you are their only savior, uh, the more committed and devoted base you're going to have. And, and we know that in the early thirties, it was used against Jews in, in the United States. It's used against Mexicans. Um, and, and frankly, here, you know, you don't have to look far back. Uh, when you look at the last election when the conservative government lost to Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, you remember, uh, the 1-800 line for reporting barbaric cultural practices and, and the hijab and burqa, uh, issue came up right in the middle of an election because all, and, and, and politicians were wrapping themselves in Canadian flags. Right now, um, a candidate for conservative leadership uh, his campaign slogan is, uh, let's bring Canada back. Well, back mm-hmm. from where? You know, th- those are that's what's known in politics as dog whistle politics. You send messages covertly to coalesce that base. Um, and, and if we buy into this, that's, that's what feeds this hatred. Because, you know, you always have to have this ex- external enemy. If you can't run a positive campaign, you run a campaign on the fact that there is an external enemy, and, and I am here to protect you, and we need to pull together uh, against that enemy.
1: I don't know how long you have been in Canada. I've been in Canada for, oh my goodness, many years. And uh, how do we feel, right? Like, are we Polish? Of course, we are Polish, because we were born in Poland, and some of us well lived there until we were adults. Mm -hmm. But this is our new country, right? This is our new country. We took an oath of citizenship We should be happy and proud that we're Canadians So this is my question for you. How should we feel? Shouldn't we feel most of all as Canadians of Polish origin and therefore protect Canada as a country? Of course being proud of having Polish heritage But when we have a choice between doing something that may be acceptable in Poland, although it's regrettably acceptable in Poland, some kind of rhetoric, and our Canadian rhetoric, our Canadian narrative, our Canadian customs of what is allowed, what is not acceptable, what's moral, what's immoral, shouldn't we be on the Canadian side?
3: to answer your first question, I'm in Canada for 38 years. I was uh, uh, 13 mm-hmm. years old when I moved here. So all of my adult life um, is here in Canada. I was asked that question by a reporter uh, in Poland's parliament a number of years ago when I was there on an official visit from Canada. Uh, it was in the early stage of negotiating our CETA free trade agreement with the mm-hmm. European Union. A very inquisitive reporter came up to me and said, Uh, in polish well are you a polish citizen and i said yeah i actually am a polish citizen he says then how can you be here negotiating on behalf of canada if you also have a polish citizenship and and i didn't have a conflict with that whatsoever because as long as you're trying to negotiate a fair deal there isn't a conflict there and and i remember using an analogy i said uh, I said, you know, I don't really have to pick allegiance. And it's sort of like when a man marries uh, his wife, he doesn't stop loving his mother. But ultimately, his allegiance is to his wife, not his mother, even mm-hmm. though um, there is still that, that connectivity. Um, but to answer your question more directly, you know what we have to do? We have to always take the higher of the two roads, And that's why there's that distinction between legality and morality. Uh, as a Canadian of Polish heritage... Uh, If I was to move to Poland today, I will still uh, correct individuals when they make jokes uh, about gay people or when they say things that are anti-Semitic. You know, morality has no borders. Anyone in Poland who is making disparaging remarks about the LGBTQ community or cracks jokes about about Jews or, or spreads lies about Jews wanting to come back and take over Poland cannot feel that this is the right thing to say. It may be the acceptable thing to say, it may make you popular in certain circles, but it is still a wrong thing to say. So just because it's legal, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Uh, we, we make our own choices. And we guide ourselves by, by our own morality, your laws are just a framework of marginal things that are not allowed, but your morality should extend beyond that, just because abortion is legal doesn 't mean Catholics should participate in it it's their choice; they choose it, they choose to do it or not based on their own morality. being legal doesn 't mean you have to do it so as a Polish Canadian, and no matter where I am in the world I, I will always choose. Uh, the higher of the two roads, when in Canada, when printing a newspaper in Canada, uh, not only should you be using your moral guidance, but but at least you should adhere um, to local laws and uh, and that's how I hope those uh, newspapers will be viewed um, by um, by the courts. But readers, on the other hand, you know somebody was buying those newspapers. Somebody was putting ads and paying for advertising in those newspapers. Those individuals, even though they haven't participated directly in that wrong, they should ask themselves that question. Am am I truly in support of this? Is this the right thing to do? Do I want to support this newspaper? Should I be advertising that newspaper? That's where I squarely lay the blame on the readers. Because a newspaper won't survive unless it has readers and advertisers. So we shouldn't only rely on laws, but we should look at ourselves.
1: What about the leadership of the Polish community? What about the Congress? In the first case of gornitz there was no reaction. In this one, yes, there is a statement, official statement by um, the Canadian Polish Congress. It's an organization which is being treated as a representation of the Polish community. Their statement is quite curious. So what do you say about that?
3: Well, a, a number of things. Uh, you know, my, my, first, uh, my, my first comment would be that the Polish-Canadian Congress truly isn't a representative of our Polish-Canadian community because of its structure. Its membership is of, of organizations. Uh, not individuals, and so a very small percentage of, of Polish-Canadians are in any way affiliated with the Polish-Canadian Congress. But there is a lot more that the Polish-Canadian Congress, if it wants to be seen as true representative of Polish-Canadian community or if it deserves to be seen as such, uh, that, that they should be doing. Uh, number one, I think there is room for increasing uh Polish-Canadian Congress's relationship uh, with other ethnocultural communities here in Canada and, and other minority groups uh, here in Canada uh, to show leadership, uh, not only in times of crisis when, when something like this arises, but, but uh, reaching out and, and participating in uh, cross-cultural activities and, and with other minorities like LGBTQ and others would be the right thing to do particularly because of what's happening in Poland right now. Uh, Poland is getting a lot of uh, very negative press internationally and because of what's happening with the LGBTQ community, there is a platform for Polish Canadian Congress uh, to come out and say, well, we have no influence over what's happening in Poland, but as Polish Canadians, um, we prescribe the different values and, and we're willing to, um, to be open and, uh, and work with those communities. With respect to that statement, I, I find it rather regrettable. Uh, formulaic response saying we don't support that and everybody in Canada should get along. I didn't find, didn't find it very convincing at all. Um, it seemed like, uh, something just put out out of necessity. But the fact that, uh, majority of that statement focuses on defending a newspaper and the corporate structure of a newspaper and not really sticking to the real issue at heart, um, is really regrettable. Uh, that statement should have been sincere uh apology uh and expression of how we as Polish Canadians feel about our Jewish uh friends and neighbors business partners uh here in Canada and and commitment to becoming vigilant and actually scrutinizing any such comments in the future and 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 committing to making sure that when or if it happens Uh, Polish Canadian Congress would be at the forefront of uh, identifying it and reporting it to authorities. Uh, I didn't see any of that. There's there's a lot to be learned, I think, uh, among the ranks of Polish Canadian Congress.
1: Since this interview was recorded, there have been some new developments, which are mentioned in Bnabryth's article of August the 14th. First, The Polish National Union of Canada, under whose auspices the Głos Polski was published until 2016, released a statement in which it unequivocally condemns the anti-Semitic content of the Głos newspaper. And I quote, the Polish National Union of Canada strongly condemns anti-Semitic and racist content that appears in the Polish language newspaper Głos we firmly denounce any and all content of a hateful or anti-Semitic nature. Such content absolutely does not reflect our organization, one of Canada's oldest Polish community service organizations, and it does not reflect the Canadian Polish community. Number two, the initial statement by the Canadian Polish Congress, which was commented on by my two interlocutors, was recently followed by a statement of the Advisory Council of the Canadian-Polish Congress, Rada Kapeka, who wrote letters to the National Post and to the B'nai B'rith, stating that they were, quote, outraged to learn of the virulently anti-Semitic contents uh, of the extremist GWAS newspaper, end of quote, and that they, quote, unequivocally condemn and denounce hatred and anti-Semitism in all forms, end of quote. Zofia Soja, chair of the advisory council of the Canadian Polish Congress, assured the Jewish community that the Congress has no connection with Gwas and that its views are not representative of most Polish Canadians. As a Polish-Canadian journalist, although my own newspaper, Gazeta, strongly opposes any prejudice and discrimination, I find it painful and regrettable that some Polish language media in Canada do not respect the country we live and work in and its values. Ethnic media play an important role in our Canadian multicultural mosaic, but have to acknowledge that they're not islands with their own laws. I welcome the statement issued by Maria Votsinas, Executive Director of the National Ethnic Press and Media Council of Canada. And I quote, Although Guas is not a member of our organization, it is important to note that ethnic media is an important part of news dissemination in Canada, especially for those Canadians that rely on third language media to help them understand what is happening in Canada. This abhorrent and dangerous narrative written by this publication goes against the statement of principles that reputable ethnic media organizations follow and adhere to. As a leader of ethnocultural media, I stand with B'nai Brith in bringing this anti Semitic article to the community's and police's attention. End of quote. Please visit our website, mypolcast.com, for all the statements and articles referred to in this episode. Thank you for listening to episode 75 of Polcast. If you like what you heard, share it and tell others. In the next episode, you'll hear my interview with a Canadian historian specializing in Polish-Jewish studies. If you want to help me make Polcast, please donate to our Polcast fundraising campaign, mypolcast.com support. Every penny counts and will be most helpful in paying for servers, equipment, etc. Thank you to all our existing patrons. Your help is greatly appreciated. Visit us on Facebook, where you can also find interesting stories, photos, and videos about Poland and Poles around the world. Share, like, and stay in touch. And I leave you with my interview with Michael Mostyn of BneiBreath Canada, conducted in August 2019. Your organization, BneiBreath, has, um, has filed a complaint with Peel Regional Police against a. Polish language magazine based in Mississauga, which is called Goniets, and uh, founder, publisher, editor in chief, and main author Andrzej Kumor, claiming antisemitism. So, I'd like to talk about why, in in your view, some of the content of this publication in print, online, and on YouTube, can be classified as antisemitic.
4: Sure. Well, thank you for the question. And and you know, first of all, um, you know, sometimes. If there's one particular article that might be out of line, you contact a publication in whatever language it might be because it could be a mistake of some sort or, or a naivete or a misunderstanding about content. What was very concerning to us at B'nai B'rith was that this particular news outlet uh, was just replete with anti-Semitic articles. Um, There were accusations of Jews and and Zionists, and I'm using quotation marks here, having terrorism in their blood. Um, There was uh, urging of readers to stand up to Jews um, in response to uh, certain fabricated attempts to destroy Poland. So they were very incendiary articles, articles that were very clearly uh, targeted towards Jews and not just Zionists material, uh, which is quite clearly anti-Semitic. And and we find that extremely problematic, particularly when it's published here in Canada.
1: In this article that you published on August the 15th on your website, Mm -hmm. you do refer to a number of articles and videos by Goniec and Mr. Kumar. Is that all the material that you have examined? And I just want to know how this process works before the official complaint is filed.
4: B'nai B'rith, we're a Jewish human rights organization. The League for Human Rights is our advocacy or, or human rights arm of the organization. We've been operating in Canada since 1875. And we run an anti-hate hotline, which is a 24-7 hotline, for victims of discrimination, racism, and hatred. Um, we received um, a tip about this newspaper, as we often do about other uh, Anti-Semitic articles or incidents in Canada. We investigated. Um, we published several referencing to several articles within the newspaper uh, that were brought to our attention or that we discovered through further research. Um, but um, in discussions with uh, certainly some Polish Jewish Canadians, Polish-speaking Jewish Canadians, this is apparently. Uh, being um, an issue for quite some time with this particular publication. Uh, So we we did investigate it further. We were very disturbed by this and we felt that it was in the public interest to raise awareness about what was going on in this particular publication.
1: I did contact the police, so I got an answer saying that the Equity and Inclusion Bureau are currently investigating and investigators Mm -hmm. are looking through several articles and videos to determine if the content meets the threshold of a hate crime if they decide that it does what happens next
4: uh, if they decide that it does then uh, they may in their discretion lay criminal charges um, there's there's a few venues when when there's an issue of a newspaper of some sort that publishes uh, hate content in Canada if they're a member of some sort of a, a newspaper alliance which which um, prevents this sort of behavior from their uh, members, sometimes we will issue uh, complaints to those bodies. Uh, in, in this instance, uh, we felt that the best way to go forward was to contact police because, in our opinion, this is something that they may consider uh, to be uh, hateful and um, and also because of the repetitive nature of this um, hateful speech uh, within this publication. We, we find that very disturbing because, um, as we all know, uh, there are vulnerable individuals within every society that believe this sort of nonsense. And, and we're very worried, because this has happened many times before, that certain individuals that listen repeatedly to hate propaganda will eventually act upon that and and sometimes act quite violently. This is something that we do not want to see uh, to any group, uh, including Jews in, in this country.
1: Well, Mr. Kumar claims that he has become a victim of slanderous accusations, whereas what he Mm -hmm. really does, in fact, is just telling the truth and showing the facts. Is criticizing the policies of the state of Israel inherently anti-Semitic?
4: Absolutely not. Not necessarily. That's one of the reasons why uh, B'nai B'rith was very supportive of the IRA definition of anti-Semitism, which was recently adopted by the government of Canada. Uh, this is the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. A- and um, there's it's very clearly set out within the IRA definition that, um, uh, that criticism of, of policies of the state of Israel um, is not anti-Semitic whatsoever. Uh, the Jewish community does not believe that uh, to be the case. However, singling out the state of Israel in a way that no other country in the world is singled out on, um, that can be potentially, anti-Semitic. If there's demonization, um, uh, delegitimization uh, of the state in using similar sorts of anti-Semitic tropes as in the past, as may have been attributed to Jews, this could be potentially uh, anti-Semitism. Once again, if it's a singling out of the Jewish state, the only Jewish state in the world, in a way that no other country or no other democracy is singled out uh, in, in that way. And there's very, very specific uh, examples of that, what does and what does not constitute anti-Semitism. And we were very clear in our article. We gave specific examples, and we hyperlinked back to the particular article so that our readers could make up their minds for themselves whether or not uh, the content of this paper was hateful and anti-Semitic and from the wide array of responses that we've received uh, from the community, the community agrees with us. And so it's up to him to apologize, to understand that his articles were, in fact, very hateful, and to change his behavior in the future.
1: Holocaust enterprise or business, Jewish conspiracy, mm-hmm. are these anti-Semitic?
4: Absolutely. Those those who t- tend to complain about Holocaust enterprise are usually engaging in a conspiracy Point of view that uh, Jews are uh, misrepresenting the historical facts of the Holocaust um, for personal profit. Um, these sorts of anti-Semitic tropes have led in the past to violent assaults, attacks, and um, a murder against Jewish populations all throughout the world. These are all these are all um, regular anti-Semitic tropes. And it's very unfortunate if uh, he does not recognize that because the rest of the world or most of the world, um, the rational world that, that understands history, um, does acknowledge this.
1: Mr. Kumar has reacted very strongly to your complaint. Well, both in his recent article in Gonitz and um, in a long YouTube interview that he gave on an online TV station in Poland, he presents himself as a victim and as a freedom mm-hmm. fighter. And his mission is to uncover the truth and to defend freedom of speech. So could you comment on your understanding of the notion of freedom of speech and its relationship with hate crime?
4: In every civil society, um, we, we greatly value freedom of speech. We we greatly value different opinions and the right to respectfully disagree with others' opinions and and argue about the correctness of opinions. But in every civil society, we also have certain protections and certain limits to free speech. In a movie theater, a crowded movie theater, to simply jump up and shout, fire, fire, this is not permitted under the law. This causes chaos and could potentially cause individuals to be harmed. Same thing at an airport nowadays. You can't just joke about carrying a bomb As you go through security, there are limits to free speech. Our society has also decided, in its wisdom and quite rightly, to say there are limits as well about hateful speech that targets those that are members of identifiable groups from being singled out for hatred simply because they hold the attributes of those identifiable groups, whether that's a group that's based on religion, whether that's a group that's based on color or sexual identity. This is not permitted in Canada. This is not permitted in other free societies because we recognize that uh, people are humans and humans have rights. So there are basic human rights and there are hate speech laws in this country for those who target individuals and groups for hate because of who they are. It's very clear that the content of this paper was anti-Semitic. If the publisher feels that it's not, rather than talking in great ideological or philosophical terms or holding themselves out as a freedom fighter, why not go item by item and talk about what was in the articles? We have pointed to the particular aspects of these articles that we found to be hateful and anti-Semitic, and we stand by that.
1: Would you equally oppose that kind of attitude if it was not towards the Jewish community, but let's say against Muslims?
4: Absolutely. And in fact, we have. Um, we're very proud as an organization. In fact, we've gone all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, fighting for the rights of other religious groups, not just the Jewish community. Um, for example, um, the rights of Sikhs to wear their kirpan in Canada, which is their ceremonial dagger. B'nai B'rith went all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada fighting for the rights of, of Sikhs to their uh, freedom of religion uh, for that. So um, we're on the record um, as doing so, uh, and, um, and we would and we do fight for other communities on a regular basis, uh, but it is also our obligation to stand up for ourselves when we are being targeted, and that's exactly what we have done in this case.
1: Um, in that recent article that I mentioned in Garnet, Mr. Kumar says, and this is my translation, in order to present me as an anti-Semite, sentences were taken out of context, titles were cut in half, content was manipulated. Does B'nai B'rith see itself as guilty of manipulation?
4: Well, certainly not. And uh, if if there were any complaints um, uh, by him about, about this, um, certainly, those should be brought to our attention. And to my understanding, um, he has brought no complaints uh, to our attention about any Claims Times you never
1: contacted him. This is one of his criticisms.
4: And this is not an individual that's posting uh, tweets uh, online. Uh, this is a, a newspaper and a um, and a publication that's supposed to be standing up to certain standards. Um, when individuals in the public have comments about any newspaper, typically they, they bring them up. uh, Publicly, Um, in this case, if there was one particular article, as we had mentioned, uh, as I'd mentioned earlier, uh, we very well might have contacted uh, Mr. Kumar and and asked him, you know, are you aware of this particular article? Um, This is, you know, anti-Semitic in our opinion. What are we going to do about it? When you find a publication, however, that's absolutely replete with Jew hatred. Then clearly, it's not appropriate. And uh, we believe it was the appropriate action to raise this publicly. We stand by the translations. We uh, consulted several experts uh, on our translations. Um, and all of our experts um, were quite disgusted by the content of this particular paper and the Jew hatred that was inside of it. So we stand by the fact that there is a tremendous and great deal of anti Semitic content in this newspaper. And that should should simply not happen here in Canada. So um, we will await the investigation by the police, and we will await whether or not uh, Mr. Kumar will stop publishing such incendiary hatred. And um, it's it's not clear to me in any way from anything that I've read or heard so far um, why there's a justification for promoting uh, hatred uh, against Jews in this publication.
1: Non-English language ethnic publications are like little worlds in themselves, right? When they think mm-hmm. that nobody reads and nobody understands other than the community in question. So that's mm-hmm. my question. Is it common? Has it happened in other non-English language ethnic publications to find this kind of attitude that you act against?
4: Uh, it absolutely has happened and unfortunately does continue to happen. And in fact, B'nai Brith has exposed... Other publications that, that appeared in other languages in the past, for example, Arabic, um, we've exposed several newspapers. And in fact, some of them did apologize uh, for either pro-terrorist articles uh, or anti-Semitic articles. Uh, some of them ceased publications and some of them continue um, to deny uh, that, uh, that they're doing anything wrong. And they, and they continue to publish um, um, some vile, very vile content. Which we will continue to speak out against, as as is our uh, right within uh, freedom of speech to uh, to stand up, not just for our community but for human rights in general in Canada.
1: But how can they continue if that has been discovered already and proven? How can they continue doing this? Mm.
4: Well, uh, once again, it, it's it, there are several um, factors to consider. Um, has the law been violated if the law hasn't been violated as vile as as the ideas may be? Uh, but then at that point, uh, there are advertisers uh, to consider. Um, sometimes certain publications in this country, um, even though some of the local, um, community-based advertisers continue after an expose um, political parties may decide to pull their funding or the government may decide to pull their funding because they they themselves say that this does not align with the values of Canada uh, or the values of our province so um, there are all sorts of repercussions that can come down the line but um, at this point um, with respect to this particular publication um, we're going to await the investigation of police, and we're going to uh, wait and and see um, what sort of feedback there is from the Polish community itself. Uh, Hopefully, uh, there will be strong support for the B'nai position within the Polish speaking uh, Canadian community, um, because our our hope is that um, that, that the vast majority of the public uh, will find this uh, outrageous. The Jew hatred outrageous from this publication and will simply say this is it's not worthy of our of our support, a publication such as this.
1: Well the last question is is more general. It's about Polish Jewish relations. Mr. Kumar and people like him uh, claim that the relationship between Jews and Poles is not symmetrical. So so that any negative comment about the Jews or Israel is treated as anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. While there are many instances of what they call anti Polonism, so you know that there would be Jews who express their agreement with this infamous Shamir's 1988 comment that Poles imbibe anti Semitism with their mother's milk. Poles are accused more and more of collaborating with Nazi Germany in the Holocaust, and more and more their help for the Jews, like Zagota, Righteous, is ignored, that Poland is singled out and victimized. What do you think?
4: They're- Certainly are, are matters of, of, uh, of public debate uh, between our two communities. There are sometimes differences of policy, foreign policy. For example, the, the recent laws that came out uh, from Poland in terms of Holocaust restitution, very controversial in Israel, uh, amongst the Jewish community in Canada as well. Um, but that's different than relationships between our communities. So I can tell you B'nai B'rith uh, and uh, the Polish Congress has had very strong relationship. Going back many, many years, I myself um, have been pleased to attend many events at the Polish Embassy in Ottawa, at the consulate in Toronto. Um, there is a difference between di- between um, political opinions and, and different and very strong sometimes differences of opinion, and um, and a hope for diaspora communities to try and work together for a better Canada. That's something that B'nai B'rith has been involved with for many years, and that's something that uh, Polish-Canadians of, of good faith uh, have have been involved with uh, as well, and, and we've shared many positive occasions together in the past. Uh, that's why, uh, in my opinion, hatred is not the way forward. Uh, singling out individuals is not the way forward. When Jews are singled out for hatred, that's the definition of anti-Semitism, and that's wrong, and it simply should not happen. And so we hope that the behavior will change. We hope that this particular publication will stop promoting Jew hatred in this country. And um, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens next in this story.